0: You should be the host here.
1: i really love it, aren't you?
0: We're both monster people, die-hard monster people, and we want them to do well. The Red Seventy-Eight with Alan Quinlan and Neve Briggs. Nobody knows monster rugby better. I'd like to think I know a lot. Welcome along to the second episode of the Red Seventy-Eight, the Rugby Channel's brand new podcast and everything monster rugby. I'm Alan Quinlan, and as ever, joining me is monster legend and Grand Slam winner Neve Briggs. How are you, Neve? Good, uh, Quinny, how are one, you? One week down. Uh, we haven't been uh, lynched yet, but um, <laughs> obviously we'll look back at the weekend and uh, what did you think of that game. Very briefly, we'll go into it in depth in a minute at the weekend.
1: Uh, I love how the Munster-Connacht games are starting to get a real intense rivalry. Um, I thought it was a big local derby, so it was good.
0: A little bit of bite back into the Interpros. It's good, and Connacht and Munster, it seems to be a bit of niggle in the last... Couple of seasons, So look, we'll get into that in a minute. What's the Red 78 all about? Every week we're going to be looking at everything that's going on in the world of Munster rugby. We'll be analysing all the games, have some big name guests uh, and look at what's going on in the women's game, obviously at club and underage level. Um, so for everything Munster, this is the place to be. It is a Munster podcast, not a Leinster, Ulster, Connacht one. So we're very Munster heavy here. Uh, we'd love your feedback and thoughts on what's happening in Munster and you can tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 on Twitter or leave a comment wherever you're watching across the Rugby Channel social media pages. And of course, please sub- subscribe to the podcast. Just search for The Red 78 and you'll get the podcast straight to your phone every week. Um, okay, so that's the intro over with Neve. Um, we spoke last week about the Scarlet's game, how we were heartened. Um, Feel good factor. Um, loads of positivity online about Munster and and it was a brilliant performance over in the Scarlets. mixed feelings about Saturday night
1: yeah look I'm I'm not sure every week can be a a win like Scarlets. to be fair Um, Leinster put 50 points on them again this week so I think there's obviously issues behind their scenes but um, I actually was really enthused coming back the other night um, after the game only because a couple things stood out for me hugely this group, um, I feel like they're on a really big journey. They're eking out wins when they're not, they haven't played exceptionally well. Um, to go down the minute minutes, um, a try, and then to be able to go back up the top of the pitch and hold on to possession like they did now.
0: What did you feel after after Jack Carti's try? Uh, did, you, did you feel Munster would get create the opportunity because there was a lot of mistakes and. I think that the the thing for me after the game was um, Connacht were brilliant, number one. Um, They got the emotional pitch right. They put huge pressure on Munster. They brought a physicality. But Munster lacked the control and a real... um, Something that you kind of associate uh, as a given with them, that they control the ball. They're not sloppy, particularly in the forward exchanges. Their set piece is normally good. We're usually criticising their attack a little bit, but... The basics, some of the basic stuff from Munster tonight was probably what will disappoint them most.
1: Uh, yeah, I, th- I think it's more missed opportunities. I think the, they, they created uh, opportunities in terms of the creative visits into the Connick kind of scoring zone, into that 22 area. They had a couple of lineups that were overthrown or miscued. Um, and and even, even for the, the, the try, you know, during Barnes' try, it was. I was doing radio commentary from it, so I was sitting up high so I was able to see the space. And I'd say Andrew Conway had a sore throat afterwards from screaming that there was so much space on the edges for him, like the likes of him and Zeebo. Um, but nobody ever really looked up. And I think those type of opportunities that they've missed, or that the fact that they could have got scores earlier in phases, um, uh, like especially that Dermot Barn, they definitely could have got um, you know. Scored earlier and, and easier, if that makes any sense. Um, but I think, so f- it'll be their missed opportunities, I'd imagine, that they'll be reviewing. And, um, but I tell you what, Connors were good. Their line speed was unbelievable. Their tackle tech, their aggression. And you hit the nail in the head there, Quinny. They, they completely got the emotional pitch right.
0: And is it, would, that concern, would that concern you that, um, particularly at home, or is it you mentioned the word learning curve? I think obviously if I'm a player and I'm in a dress room, you know yourself after a game like that, you're not stupid enough to know that um that was a great performance. You know it wasn't what where you want to be, and but you've got the results. Um it could have easily gone the other way, and Connex felt very hard done by, and I think they probably legitimately have a have a case to answer for, particularly. Um, with the Tigburn, uh, the the Chris Claude try, and we asked over on Twitter at our Twitter page at Rugby Channel Fifteen whether Tyburn was onside for Chris Claude's try or not. And aidan eleven fifty and Liam Henley tweeted us saying that they didn't think so. Well, what do you think? That was a very soft response. We took mm. there was a lot more, a more <laughs> aggressive, uh, angry responses from Connacht fans. Um, I spoke about it yesterday morning on 2 b AM and, you know, I spoke to a referee and I won't be putting any referees into, into awkward positions here, but um, I spoke to two referees and they emphasize, first of all, that the point, it suck. Rugby is not like soccer where, you know, you have a var situation, part of your body. If it's a head, you're offside. Um, any part of your body, even if it's only a toenail back over the line, level with the player, um, or if you if he brings you level with the player, even if you reach back with your leg, that puts the, you're on side then even if your body is ahead of him but uh i think the 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 consensus with everybody watching and my own opinion and i 'm not sure what yours is and everyone online was that he looked like he was ahead, and um they 've a case to they they 've a right to be aggrieved by that try. what do you think?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I was very similar to you when I was at the grounds. I thought, "Oh my God, there's you know, great opportunities to try." But as the replays were happening on the big screen, I was like, "This does not look good." And um, and it's funny. I also went and asked the referee um about that 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 law, about being offside at the kick. And to be honest, I wasn't aware that I always assumed you had to be behind, as in your whole body had to be behind. Yeah. There was loads of images going around on social media afterwards. Um,
0: it looks like the type good chunk maybe leg, had, had a leg, leg behind. But, but the problem the problem here is not, the,
1: not if we didn't know about it having played rugby for a long time. But the problem how does here is the ordinary inspector or punter it. No
0: yeah, I think the problem here is that it wasn't looked at. Yeah, if it 100%. was looked at um, by Chris Busby and the TMO Brian McNeese, who um probably should have had a look at it. If it was looked at and it was explained like that, that part of his leg is behind that straight line that lots of people are drawn across and they've distilled they shots, well, then that's... Um, you could argue and debate it then and say they're wrong. But the problem, I think, is... And Andy yeah. Friend said it, you know, for Terno Halloran's flick up to Mac Hansen, which was forward, it was looked at a number of times. So that's where he's, he feels aggrieved there. And uh, I think, you know, he did make another point about... Um, a, rug, a referees manager in the for the U, URC, which there isn't one. And I think there should be. There should be a little bit more of a structure as regards someone managing all the referees, giving them the feedback. I know they do it in their own individual countries here in Ireland, the Irish refs, in Italy, Scotland and, and, and Wales. But I think there should be a, a referees manager because uh, I think we've seen a couple of incidents here. We're all pleased and happy with the URC. And... It's brilliant that what's been very difficult for the South Africans being away from home. We've seen some really good performances, and I tell you, anyone going to South Africa it will earn it against these teams. But you know, a referees manager is something that should be put in place pretty quickly, just to keep that credibility there um, in the league, because um, that was something that was should have been looked into the other night. And uh, yeah, hugely, and I and li- I live it over it.
1: Yeah, and I and I kind of I I. Get what you're saying. I think, had it gone, you know, up for a review, then there's very little argument that you can have afterwards in terms of well, it went for a review. This decision, whether we agree with it or not, look, it was looked at. The fact that it wasn't looked at, um, makes me wonder. Like that, and I can see then why why Andy Friends agreed. Out of curiosity, what did you make of the Sammy Arnold um, tackle on Mike Haley? Um. Because friend, friend mentioned that too, and that, that kind of surprise. well, I thought, I
0: thought that I thought it was harsh. I thought it was a penalty straight away. My, my initial reaction. Um, I, I've said this for a long time. For any players that kind of have that arm kind of going aggressively, even if you don't make connection with someone high, it's you're you're running the risk. Okay, so. He kind of the head, the 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 arm comes at the back of the head more than anything, and and doesn't really connect but, with it. But his head hits Haley's head. Correct. And again, speaking to to the referee that I spoke to, that head to head contact could have been, a, and was probably the reason why. And again, people don't understand this. There's a duty of care for me tackling. If I'm tackling you, and if I'm that high with you, and my head hits your head, that's potentially a yellow card alone as as it is. Um, there was a swinging arm there. that wasn't that aggressive, but it was high, and it was at the back of the head. So the reason he got the yellow card, I think, is because the head-to-head. Yeah,
1: me too. And yeah. his
0: duty needs to be lower. So again, it's, it's one of those ones that if it was just a penalty, would Munster have been given out afterwards? No. You, you, some of these are 50-50 calls, but you run the risk when you're up that high. There was another incident in the game, and I said this again yesterday, and again, you're running the risk of, of, of people you know, having a go off you and saying you're wrong and you're too biased. Um, I think we'll be the first to admit that Munster were really poor and Connacht were really good. We've just said that. So we're, we're not kind of shying away from that. But the 50-50 calls that Andy Friend is talking about that they don't usually get... I can understand that there's a bit of a chip in the shoulder, and they are, with respect, the poor relation of the three provinces. They don't get the same resources. They don't get the same support um, and as the other provinces, even though they've got a lot of, um, you know, they've been allowed to sign a lot of players in the last number of years. But I'm not sure I agree entirely with the 50 50 calls. Connock's biggest problem is they haven't been consistent in their performance. And Jack Carty said it after the game if they bring that type of performance every week, well, They're a brilliant team to watch. Um, Andrew Trimble said it a few weeks ago. They're everyone's kind of second-favorite team. so um, Which they are because, you know, people admire the resources. And Andy Friend is such a positive guy, uh, the brand of rugby they play. But going back to those 50-50 calls, I thought for Paul Boyle's try, Chris Clote was very, very unfortunate not to be rewarded with a penalty. Um, The penalty went against Ty Byrne for not rolling away. He had no material effect on the clean out by the Connacht player, Chris Chris Claude. was on the ball really quickly, and Chris Busby did say to him as "Well, you were fine, but number seven didn't roll away." But Chris um, Tyburn had nothing to do with that yeah. uh, stopping the Connacht player, so that could have been a fi- that was a fifty fifty call that went Connacht's way. They scored a try, that could easily easily have been a penalty to Munster. So, um.
1: I think it all comes in swings and roundabouts. just doesn't it does make bit, it any easier. I look, there was
0: a few offsides <clears throat> that... Um, uh, Conantol obviously came down to to really get into Monsters face. And it's no surprise to me as a former player looking at it that one of the key ingredients of getting stuck into the opposition is line speed and defence and maybe pushing uh, that that line, that offside line a little bit. And I was uh, someone who loved to do that um, and you know I give away penalties, but on occasions they did, uh, they did push that line fairly aggressively. Yeah, no, they got and, and to be fair, times.
1: but to be fair, Quinny, like if you're if you're coaching any team, that's what you want. Like I think I think they were really good to watch. I kind of, think their their energy on both sides of the ball is so good. Their ability to move the ball. I kind of disagree with you when you said that Munster were really poor. I don't think they were really poor. I think they just met were met with such kind well, uh, yeah, of
0: when, when I say poor, I mean they lacked control and they made a lot of mistakes that they
1: just made basic and errors that were probably just at key moments as opposed to like you know forages into the twenty two, um been able to get to the ball to the edge a little bit earlier than what they were doing. Um you know. There was space for Conway on that edge. We must have tried that kick pass about three or four times. It never worked, so we've got to be able to come up with a plan B. And, um, but like, I think, I don't think they were poor. I just think that Connock didn't let them play play. And we had this exact same conversation pr- last should, week should when not we be said Scarlet to,
0: to, to deal with that. Mave, should they not be experienced enough, powerful enough, strong enough at home in, in Thorman Park? This is just me asking that. Hypothetically, yeah, I think that's um, a little bit disrespectful if, if, to the
1: if, kind of pack. If you're talking about strong, no, I, I
0: mean, I mean, at home when you're at yeah. home, and we know how good Munster, What, what are, Munster's biggest strength is is what they do up front, their forwards, yeah. their, their ability to keep the ball, to squeeze the life out of opposition. And that's an area. And, and look, I think maybe the tactically, because of the weather and everything that was there the other night, that that was. That was gonna. I just think if we're if seeing they did it. that well, it would have it would have sufficed to win the game. But they actually just lacked control. How many turnovers? I just have they? I
1: just wish that we could just look objectively at this and see there's small little evolutions of the game that they're trying. Like
0: no killer doubt.
1: killer pop pass and John John Ryan John Ryan sprints five or six meters in his grind, It's probably about twenty five meters. Um, we've never seen that kind of stuff before. We've never seen them look to to run into spaces. I think to be fair, Collins came with a really good game plan. They squeezed Munster into trying to to kick for kick space as opposed to looking to get the ball to the edge with a true hand.
0: They were just really side. Yeah, Yeah.
1: and, and, and they were really clever in it. I just I think I think Munster fell into the trap of running a lot of one out runners, especially in that red zone where they were like trying to score. And when you do that you're just kind of playing into the opposition's hands a lot. I think there was a couple of times and like, look, the atmosphere was brilliant. It obviously was, you know, the memory of Axel, um, the the crowd, 17,000 people there, places buzzing and sometimes you can feed off that. Sometimes it can just wear you down a small bit. And I just felt at the very end of the game was just that last fa- amount of phases before James Barnes' try was just epitomised Munster for that 80 minutes. Huge amount of endeavour trying to work hard, but not really getting anywhere and not really understanding where the space was. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And that's something that uh, obviously you can look back on and t- I, I, I as things to work on but um look the weather was was really poor uh, the weather was terrible before the game the conditions were difficult and you're playing against a side who have lost a week before they're on the back foot and they're a good side you know they're a good side i think um it was uh i think the frustrating part is just some of the mistakes and errors that they made that they look at themselves um just another comment here and last week Podcast, we discussed whether the current monster team is under pressure due to the success of past teams. You mm-hmm. answered that. Brian Bullman on Twitter got back to us saying, "Monster rugby have a tradition of winning since the tra- traditional interpro days. Set an expectation of winning is exactly what's needed. Pressure is good, it pushes you to perform better in both training and in game day. Well, that, that works all right. I agree <laughs> with that, that um, you need a certain amount of pressure. But I suppose maybe people on the outside of the group um maybe create a little bit of negativity because of the desire and want to win a trophy as well, and it's not easy to win trophies nowadays and um but I'd say they like that pressure definitely, like you after the first game, you know against the sharks
1: like Craig Casey, hundred percent literally. Over here, we're here to win trophies. I'd say whoever as he walked back into the trade change rooms, so I would say they were like, Oh my god, talk about putting pressure on us. They obviously you know they obviously set their goals at the start of the season. Winning trophies is always gonna be number one. I just think people kind of forget or maybe not really understand, and, and it's not disrespect them, but it's not not really understand how difficult it is to go and do that. And how much the game has evolved since two thousand and six, two thousand and eight, when you were winning trophies before, and teams of teams are getting better. And I'm not saying Munster are not getting better; they are. But I'm just saying the level has gone up so so many notches since that time. Um, that you know it's hard to kind of compare the two.
0: Yeah, for sure. It's it's and and look, I think that pressure will always be there, and it is difficult to win trophies um joy carberry um is 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 the topic of um a lot of conversation given jack Carty played really well and you know Joey still hasn't probably hit his he straps and knows what know what he's what we what we think he's capable of and and the talent that he has um you you made an interesting point to me when we were chatting beforehand about the the kick what he was blocked down for that it seemed to be the only option that Munster had and they were a little bit predictable and clearing their lines and it nearly cost them the game.
1: Yeah, look, hugely. A couple of things on that, right? I thought Jack Carty was really, really good. I thought he attacked the line so hard that it made it easier for his outside backs. And um, and that was the first time I've ever seen him do that, especially in the Munster 22. I've never seen him run that hard to the line for. He literally took off at a rate of knots, and then looked to pull back passes. And that's a really difficult thing to defend from. So I thought he controlled the game really, really well. In relation to Joey Carberry, I 100% agree. Yes, there was no, there was no other option. They're literally, if you're defending that and you look up and you see that everybody is so flat, you 100% know it's going to be kicked. So you're thinking, okay, all I have to do is get absolutely off the line here, run as hard as I can, throw my hands in the air, and hope, wish for the best. Joey's kicking style is real It's so lovely to watch like I love as kicking a nerd like I love watching him kick but it's real languid like it's just very it's like as if he's just out for a Sunday stroll when he kicks the ball it's just it's like it's effortless but it's also time consuming so at that level if everybody's real flat and they're thinking okay there's only going to be a kick here then you know it's really easy for him to be blocked down, especially the shape of his body, because he was kicking to the to the open. And I saw those people afterwards going, "Well, all he had to do was clear his lines and just look down and kick down the tramline." No, because it, Joey Carberry's big strength is his ability to be able to put people into space. At times, he saw space there; it was there. So he looks to kick it. I just think he was really unlucky. Thought his kicking style was just too slow, in in that moment, um, and but no no options. But how resilient did he have to be to be able to go up after that moment? I've been there. I've been blocked down against France. Try, we didn't come back from that. Like the thoughts and the the mental battle in your head straight away afterwards. It's horrendous. But to be able to go down and put Munster in a position to be able to win the game, you know that's something like that's something big and that's something that that's built over a lot of time and I think you know he'll he'll be really happy in terms of 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 that entry I think
0: yeah I just feel that he's he's um he's one or two big plays from getting back and finding finding that spark again because um well he's very important to Munster I think and the talent he has is, is incredible but uh Hopefully he can find that spark. Will he be in the Irish squad? Uh, how many Munster players will be in the Irish squad? I think this, the the obvious candidates are Dave Kilcoyne, Ty, Ty Byrne, Peter O'Mahony, um, Keith Earls, Conor Murray, Craig Casey, Chris Farrell. He's coming back from injury, Chris Farrell. Does he need to play this weekend? Is he available this weekend against the Ospreys? Andrew Conway hasn't played a lot this season, didn't get a lot of the ball the other night. Um,
1: yeah but he looked sharp though the previous game that he played
0: yeah that was was
1: actually the sharpest I'd seen him look
0: Keith Harris playing in the centre we mentioned Joey Carberry there Gavin Coombs is he (laughs) someone that's going to be in the Irish squad Um, there's a lot of competition for that back row Um, uh, will he make the Irish squad do you think is there any alters there I, I I think
1: Gavin Coombs has to be in I think he's so dynamic I, I always thought watching him over the last couple of seasons and I get he's very young and we kind of forget that when they're playing senior rugby, you know, I always kind of was like, "Gee, I wish he, it's, I'd love for him to work that little, little bit harder to get off the ground, if that makes any sense. So get himself back into the game. Um, but I thought this year, it seemed different, a huge worth ethic in him. Um, and He, he
0: was quiet in the first half the other night, I think, um he reminded people of how powerful he is right at the end of the game when he yeah. walked about 10 yards with two or three Connacht fellas hanging off him. Um, yeah, so Peter, Dave Kilcoyne will be in there. Yeah. I'm sure will be. Peter O'Mahony, his experience as well. Um,
1: Does John Klein weren't a callback? I think. Well, he's. Got, he's same I well.
0: just looked online and a few people are mentioning that. I think he's. Um, he got a lot of criticism, didn't he, when he got picked for the World Cup over Devin yeah. Toner. It wasn't his fault. I think Devin Toner was unlucky not to be in that that squad. and It was a shock at the time. Um, unfortunately for John Klein, if he was joining the team in 2018 when they were so successful, maybe he, there wouldn't be as much scrutiny on his performances. He hasn't been in an Irish squad since, uh, hasn't played since, I whether he's trained with him or not, I'm not sure, but... Um, there could be merit for him. I think certainly he's, uh, he started a season very well. I love his attitude and his work rate um, and his physicality that he can bring. So he he may warrant selection as well. Um, Jack O'Donoghue has played well. He started the season really well.
1: Yeah, hugely. And, and, but then, you know, it is very difficult when you look at, uh, you know, the. the the talent and the competition that's there. But for me, I think he's exceptional. I think he's incredibly intelligent. as a rugby player. I think he's work rate is outstanding. He's ridiculously quick. You just look at Scarlett's game. His ability to move over the ground is as good as any of the back three players.
0: Um, Unfortunately, there's so many bloody There's so many there. That's it. Well for yeah, yeah. so it's, it'll be interesting to see the squad tomorrow. Um, we've got to move on from this in a sec. Mike Haley, Simon Zebo. Haley played well the other night in, in those conditions. Um, seems to be rock solid. He's counterattacking. He seems to have more confidence. But you have Simon Zebo, and we spoke about him the week before. Um, no touch of the ball. Um, it was difficult in the conditions. Will he be in the Irish squad? Will He wasn't in the 50 that was named a few weeks ago, or Mike Haley wasn't. Um, do you think they have any chance of being in there or do they need to play more games and produce big performances for Munster to get back in?
1: Yeah, look, I think, to be fair, Hugo Keenan's probably the only specialist 15 that's up there because they've tried Larmer and they've tried Stockdale in a full-back. <clears throat> so maybe there's a warrant for a second. Do they need a second full-back? I think, I think it's tough on Zeebo. I think he, he played, obviously, the first game and then they're rotated out through... Um, and came back in the other night I think he would one clear touch of the ball and you know that is a player of that calibre with that amount of X-factor you've you've got to be able to look to get him on the ball as often as possible I'd say I'd say he was disappointed coming and away even, even
0: from that um, even from that clearance from Joey Carberry, you think if you have Simon Zeebo lurking somewhere around in the centre with that left boot that Oof. you give that pass across the um, yeah, maybe they might get a look. And, maybe they need and, to play and, some more games. Yeah, I
1: was going to say, would would do you would you put him in a fullback or would you keep him on the wing? Uh, well, it's hard difficult. because you've
0: got Matt Gallagher, you've got Mike Haley, and um, you've now you've now got Simon Z. I think start playing him in full-back in better conditions, the team being a bit more accurate, I think he'll get more ball and he'll get more chances. I think he's he's a finisher. Look, Andy Farrell will know that, and and Paul O'Connell and Mike Cass and, and and the selectors will know that. I probably think Simon Zebo, unfortunately, I'd have him in there, but I think he needs to play more games. And but can I ask you a question big. from
1: a Munster perspective, right? So, say everybody's back, everybody's fit, fully loaded, Champions Cup game. You know, Delande, Farrell, they're all there. Like, how do you manage all those players into one position? Well, do you, if do you Alande... move? If Diolante move? and
0: Farrell start in the centre, which are your first choice centres? Well, then you've got Keith Earls, Andrew Conway, Simon Zebo uh, Mike Haley, Mike Calvin, Haley Nash. Calvin Nash, Matt Gallagher, Shane, Coons, Daly. Shane Daly. It's a hard one to leave. Yeah. You know, it's a great I think, situation. I think, I, think, to, I think if
1: you to, look at it this way, though, do you look at Mike Haley, who, to be fair, rarely makes a mistake, Right. Rarely makes a mistake. Brilliant in the air. Positional sense is excellent. And then do you look at Sibo, who could make mistakes, but has this ridiculous flair and X-factor?
0: It depends. Do you go with the flair? Do you go with the... Look, it depends. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I always like to... If you can get someone into a team who can do something different um, and create something, I al- I'll always try and nudge toward that. If you're playing in wet, miserable conditions and you're not going to get the ball team maybe you go Mike Haley. So it depends on who you're playing and the conditions, but maybe the two will end up playing. Maybe Ziba will be on the wing because he can play there very well. Um, so we'll have to wait and see. Um, but look, there's a lot of options there. And I think the more Irish players, the more monster guys that get into the Irish squad, the better for the team to have that feel good factor. It was one of our goals always to have as many guys in the squad as possible. It's going to be a busy period. Finine Witcherly is someone that we didn't mention that I forgot um his contribution at the end there um, Yeah, he's super. And, and, and at, off the mall and creating that opportunity for he's come into a
1: big real big leader, hasn't
0: he? He has, yeah. He was brilliant the week before as well. Um so I'd like to see him, if he's not in the squad, at least be in around the squad training with him. Maybe Thomas Ahern and Ben Healy might be there training. Yeah. Um, you know, it's traditional to bring in guys and, and who potentially could be challenging for a World Cup spot. Um, who knows what Andy Farrell is thinking? This is a short little block. The Six Nations is longer and you need guys to train against you. I'd love to see Thomas O'Hearn and, and, you know, Finney Witchley obviously has been capped on merit um, to maybe challenge and and, and uh, ruffle a few feathers in there. He loves the physicality. And I really think Thomas Ahern is one that yeah. can kick on. Um, HC on YouTube was kind of, uh, I just want to read out a comment there. He was... Uh, <clears throat> he was saying that um, they haven't seen enough of development from these younger players in the last few years, which I think is a little bit unfair because um, there's been reasons for some of these guys that that haven't played and haven't got a consistent run. They've carried injuries. They've, they haven't they have trained for long periods. But look, hopefully in the next period of time, we'll see more of these youngsters making a real name for themselves like Jack O'Donohue, like Kendall and... Um like John Hodnett, these guys these loose forwards, but um uh yeah,
1: but you also have to remember in the last three years, they you know eighteen months was dictated by covid, and no international games, so you've got to try and get all your senior players as much kind of rugby games as possible, so um,
0: and maybe we'll yeah. see these youngsters again, so what do you do, uh, nave? We'll move on because uh we want to look ahead to Ospreys just briefly. Um, obviously, we can't go too in depth in it, but what happened in Scarlets two weeks ago? Will that happen again this weekend? And should it be the same team? Should they be sent out again because um, they produced a brilliant performance over there?
1: Yeah, look, I think it'll probably be a mix and match. To be fair, I think
0: Conor Murray but, could be back. That's what I'm Scarlet saying. So, guys that,
1: need, guys that need guys any game time, they'll obviously be prioritised. Maybe guys within an Irish setup. Maybe they've been contacted and said, look, we need to get them 20 minutes, a half an hour, whatever it is. If, they, I play, they...
0: if I played against Connacht on Saturday night, even though I'd be pleased in the dressing room afterwards, I'd nearly want to go out again I'd be, yeah, I'd be the same. I, say, I want to play in a team now that we get a bit of a, a bounce back. Okay, we've, we understand that this was difficult and Connacht were always going to be tough. Weather was, was crap. Um, but I want to go out and play again. I don't want to wait now for another couple of weeks because this is the last game in this block and then the, you have the international, there's a week, there's four or five weeks where they won't play again, these yeah. guys. Okay, the internationals will go to Ireland but the next time that some of these guys will play after the weekend, aside from the internationals, is in in South Africa.
1: Yeah, ridiculous. When they
0: play the Bulls, it's five weeks away so yeah. it'll be mini season, uh, mini pre-season for a lot yeah, of I think Yeah,
1: I think, I think from what I hear is that they'll take a week off after the Ospreys game and then come into like a mini preseason block, players will be allowed to play uh yellow, I'm pretty sure they'll have to. Which is they'll, brilliant. Yeah, super. Like Jack Crowley played the fullback last weekend for Cork on. Um these guys churning out every week for for their clubs is it, class. I think it's brilliant. And hardly like hardly O'Callum talking about it as well from a Len's perspective, how important it is going to be for them. So yeah, look, I think I think Munster have to be you know, Johan Van Grant, I'm sure they've 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 really strategically thought this out because as you say, trip to South Africa for two weeks and then they're home, there's only six days and then they're in away to Wasps. So how do you manage that? And that's six days after the Argentinian game. So the blads that are playing in Argentina against Argentina
0: won't go do, to South Africa.
1: Well, do they go? I, I don't we don't Maybe know. Maybe they that. go
0: for the second one because in in in, in In some ways,
1: altitude
0: altitude as well. But they need a match before that Wasps game really as a group together. So maybe they go for the second one, but it's a tricky And And to be fair,
1: up until last week, those games were supposed to be in Italy. And then obviously, you know, the travel ban reopened into that pathway into South Africa. So now they're definitely going to South Africa. So planning that probably takes a different turn than what it had done a few weeks ago.
0: Okay, so will they win in Ospreys this weekend? Um, Ospreys won in, in Benetton last week. Um, they win this. Maybe um, a brilliant first block for them. Five wins. to If yeah. they get a win in, at the weekend.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Brilliant for confidence as well. And I think, and, and also brilliant for the squad in, in in a perspective that majority of them will have had played in that five weeks. Which is a huge thing. You know yourself, it's a big groupie same lads are playing week in, week out. Get a little bit stale, not not in terms of the training or whatever, but just in terms of your mind. You know, why am I training this well when I'm not going to get in? Whereas been afforded opportunities, I think it's been very well managed by Van Graan and his coaching ticket.
0: So Ben Healy, Jack O'Sullivan, Chris Clote, Jack O'Donoghue, Finnean Witchley, Thomas Ahern, all these guys who played so well over in the they should Do you think they should start this week?
1: Definitely think they should be involved, yeah. 100%, I think. it's kind of seems to be this kind of rotating week on, week off. Um, You might see a few, as I said to you, a few that need game time, a few that could have knocked on Van Grand's door on Monday morning and said, look, I really want to play again next weekend. Just be interesting to see, but you'd like to see some of those youngsters getting another goal considering that they won't be involved in Ireland and they won't play for another five weeks.
0: Yeah, I think the Astros will look at it though, no matter what monster team comes, and be pretty alert to what happened with the Scarlets um, two weeks ago. So it's um, for any of us expecting uh, the same type of results. I think it'll be very difficult. A win, any sort of a win over there, and maybe that's maybe that's a, a part of that expectation that maybe from a monster point of view and being respectful to Connacht, I always thought it was going to be a very difficult game in Tom Park. Maybe. We all expect that. Well, Munster should win in Toomevara Park, and they should win with a with a decent performance. Not not necessarily a big scoreline, and because that was never going to be the case. But um, <coughs> any sort of a win here in the Ospreys yeah. is is a real positive, isn't it? And they can kind of mark off this block and and uh...
1: and I'm sure the Ospreys will stack themselves as well, considering that this will be their yeah. last game before their five week break. So you're looking at the likes of Alwyn Jones and these guys playing. So. It'll be a good game. Yeah, another good game for Munster. And I think no matter what happens, um, they'll head into this break feeling like that they're,
0: you know, in a good place. Okay, so the glass is half full with Munster so far. It always
1: is for me anyway. Uh,
0: well, <laughs> well, 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 well. Be, we're, we're going to be well scrutinised at that. But look, it's it's um, that's why we wanted some interaction from, we're only week two uh, from from what the fans think as well because, um We've got to get a balance view from everybody here and try and be fair to Munster as well. That look, a little bit of negativity after last week against against uh, in a game that probably they were fortunate in, in the end to get a win. They ground out the score, but if they end up getting a positive result this weekend, well, it's it's you can chalk that off. And I know from experience, you're not going to get. We want so we want better performances. We want more attack, but look. Let's see what happens in the next few weeks. It's going to be busy. Just finally, um, Keith Earls did an interview. I played with Keith. Um, seems like he's around forever now. He was only a child when, when 18, 19, when he came into a Munster squad, became a British and Irish line. Um, I played with him for a couple of years. I played with and against his dad. Uh, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing to be shouting out. But I must say that... Um, I thought he was incredible, um, his honesty, um, his openness um, with the challenges and difficulties and it was a real reminder to me because um, I have spoke a lot about mental health and my own challenges and sometimes I kind of feel guilty about talking about things that were going on in my head and, and I, I worry that people think well it was nothing but it doesn't matter because I think we all view the world through our minds don't we and I just thought, Keith, that was so refreshing to see him coming out and talk about the challenges, the pressures of sport that are there at that level, the scrutiny that's there nowadays, but personal issues um, that he's had, being diagnosed with bipolar 2, his liver being dislodged and that causing him issues, different injuries, willing to walk away from the game. I think it's just phenomenal what uh, his honesty and bravery, and it, it made me really proud to be a Munster man.
1: Yeah, hugely. I actually watched that interview at home. My mum doesn't really know much about rugby. She follows it because I play it or used to play it. (coughs) And um, I looked over her. She was in tears. And um, and that's the profound effect that that interview had on people. I think Um, I've been a Keith Earls fan for as long as I can remember. I just think he's absolutely electric. But more than that, you know, Remember, it's a really small place. You walk down the road, cast a Troy somewhere, and you come across and walking the dog or with the Dell and the girls. They'll always say he'll always say hello to you, he'll always ask you how you're getting on. So for him as a person, an absolute gent of the highest order, to come out and do something like that, I thought was incredibly brave, um, courageous, um, and you know, you put yourself in especially in this day and age, like no offense, Quinny. I think your story is phenomenal. You know, how you continuously are out there advocating for, for people with mental health issues. But like, he's out there now on a pedestal when there's social media willing and people on it, trolls, ridiculously ready to knock you down whenever you can. And he's, whenever got, they a play, can.
0: he's got to play. And he's got no, to play in a week, week in, week out. He's still a player. And to I do
1: something it's... like that, um, like my absolute like utter and like respect for him is just gone up to well, it's just
0: a, it's just a reminder as well for both for anyone um whether you're a commentator even on platforms like this that we never know what's going on with the individual and it's it's i've always tried to be even though um sometimes you get challenged about what you say i've always tried to be balanced and never personal with, with players because I was there myself and I know how hard it, it you work and no one goes out to play a bad game. But, I but think imagine it's little,
1: turning out those performances,
0: dealing with yes, that. Like how strong do you have to be for that? Absolutely. But I think it's a reminder to anyone commenting on social media, anyone being a commentator, working in sport, just that sometimes we actually don't know what's going on. And the more you know about the person and, and you can understand that there's a massive pressure. There's a massive expectation that we spoke about, particularly when you're playing for Munster, because of things that happened in the past. Even for Ireland, you know, the heights Joe Schmidt reached um, in the last couple of years and uh, the way it's, it's been challenging after the World Cup um, for, for, for Andy Farrell. That, you know, in GA throughout Ireland, people go out, they're amateur players um, in the AIL. It can be difficult. And there's, there's more to life than sport, even though we love sport. And I just think what Keith did at the weekend, it gave us all a reminder that we never know um, that there's sometimes and that's the intrigue of getting the balance right in your life and talking to people, whether you're worried about the game, whether you're a bit negative in yourself about the performance. Um, talk to someone and have a chat. And I think he sent out a really positive message. So well done to him. Yeah, and- class. Um, I think he's 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 even though he's incredibly popular, he always was. He was someone that never looked for any kind of glitz or glamour. He just went about his business. Um, I think he's gained um, so much respect, even more so if if that's possible from people throughout Ireland. So well done to him. So listen, we've got to leave it there. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about uh, through the monsters through monsters' performance away to the Ospreys. Please get in touch with your thoughts on the Munster performance. Tweet us at Rugby Channel 15 or just search for the Rugby Channel and make sure you subscribe to the Red 78 wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks a million, Neve. Good to chat to you and uh, talk to you next week.
1: Thanks a million, Quinny. The Monster Rugby Podcast Red 78 with Alan Quinan and Neil Briggs. Nobody knows monster Rugby better.